Hey everybody and welcome to the next episode of The Sphere, brought to you by Virtualized Geek. I'm Mark May and with me as always is co-host Keith Townsend. Keith, how you doing? Pretty good, Mark. Excellent. So we're at the NDV mug today for the third year in a row, I think. At least third year in a row. Yeah, and we've been recording some podcasts today, so it's getting kind of late in the day here. So we're getting a little punchy. A little punchy. Uh, Not as bad as last year. Should, should, should I use the term a little burnt out? Oh, you could do a little burnt out of this podcast. Yeah. That's a great segue. It's clever on who our guest is today. Today, we have the one and only Eric Lee. Eric, introduce yourself to the audience. Hi, everybody. My name's Eric Lee. I'm from Kansas City. I'm one of the VMUG leaders in Kansas City. Been working in IT for a little over 24 years now. In the last... Uh, 20 or so in kind of the enterprise IT realm, you know, started at the low rungs and including, you know, taking out the trash and cleaning toilets during an internship all the way up to uh, managing an environment with 40 virtual centers and 13,000 VMware hosts in it right now. Was that a paid internship? Yes, it was a paid internship to go along with what's going out there right now. Yeah. Uh, I was making minimum wage at the time, five fifteen an hour, while billing one hundred and seventy-five dollars an hour to do Novell Network installs. Nice, nice <laughs> profit. I, I need, I need. <laughs> you need some interns. Yeah, these are interns. Business. Yeah. So. so, you wrote an article not too long ago about IT burnout, and you're here in Indy giving a session on IT burnout. Just give us a synopsis, and we'll kind of go from there. Sure. I've been dealing with IT burnout myself, which I didn't know at the time really what it was. Um, had some physical side effects, which brought it out visually to my wife, and that, that kind of got me, you know, paying attention more to what's going on with my body and my health and stuff like that. Um, made a change, thought it helped, uh, <laughs> didn't. So uh, made another change and uh, ran through it again. Kind of had the reoccurrence of symptoms and stuff like that in, a, in another job and uh, decided it was actually time to take a look at my, my health and, and uh, ways to remediate that and try to keep it at bay over, over time. So I've been working on the blog post for six months or so and I thought it would be a great session at a bunch of conferences. So I submitted to five different conferences, and uh, I didn't even get a whiff from any of them. And so I said, you know what? Let's just post this out there. And I, uh, sub- I sent it over to a couple guys and said, hey, what do you think about this? And they were like, you need to post this today, like submit it. So I did, and it's just kind of snowballed since then. Nice. So, so let's take a second back. And So what exactly do you call IT burnout? Well, I think people see it all differently. For me, um, the way I look at it is it's not just one thing. Um, For some people, it seems to be just working long hours, right? At one point in my life, I worked long hours, and I didn't feel burnt out. I wasn't, you know, depressed. I, I wasn't, you know, at the end of the day upset with what I was doing or anything. Um, it just felt like that was a part of my job, and you know, I still enjoyed hanging out with people. If I had to work those hours now that I have a family, and now that I have other things going on, I would be burnt out in like four weeks. There's, there's just no way, you know, because you got other, you got other things that require your time, other things that you want to be involved in, and other challenges, you know, going on in your life with mortgages and, and everything else, right? 
So I think it's a, it's a combination of where you're at in your life, the environment variables, work-life balance, you know, wife, kids, you know, all of those things kind of together creates that burnout. And it's different for every person. So, Mark, we were talking about this with, uh, we, we had Rebecca Fitzhugh on earlier, uh, technical marketing engineer over at Rubrik. And we've, all three of us have been in IT for a long time. And you made an interesting comment that uh, you said you you've might have been burnt out and not even known it. Yeah, I don't think you necessarily know that you're burnt out. You're just doing what you need to do to get the job done. Yep. I don't think until you get to that extreme level of yep. burnout when it starts to affect your health, which I think happens if you push yep. it too hard for too long. So yeah, I, I agree. You don't know when you're burnt out sometimes. Yeah, so you asked me if I, I guess I have to ask myself, you know, I'm, I'm, as we're talking on the podcast, this, this will publish much, much, a few weeks into when I'm working at VMware. And I, I have to ask myself, you know, the question as I hold my head up from the VMware, from the CTO advisor thing, am I burnt out? Like, it is really like, you know, so I guess, Eric, there's, there's stress, mm-hmm. which most of us experience, you know, day to day. And then there's burnout, which I guess I, I categorize burnout as a step further than the stress of, you know, meeting a deadline. Or yep. I think burnout is a result of repeated yep. stress that comes with, uh, and, I, and if people kind of wonder and you don't work in IT, well, what's unique about IT, I guess, is the question that I, I think I understand it directly because I'm in IT, but what's unique about IT? Well, and I think um, what's unique about IT is becoming more normal. It yeah. used to be that IT were the only people that had phones with email on it, uh, by and large, mm-hmm. that, that they checked all the time. Now, you know, I'll use my wife as an example. She ha- She's a social worker. She has her work phone on her. It has work email. She gets work text all the time. That used to be an IT thing or a doctor thing, but now that's becoming commonplace for everyone. Well, and and I think the other thing that's really changed is if I think back to when I got into my first, like, larger SMB kind of smaller enterprise type company, you would have projects that you worked on and you would spend a lot of hours on it. But usually when that project's done, you have a a ramp up to your next project where you're back to normal hours and if your manager is really good they know you worked a lot of extra hours and they let you back off a little bit like to recover and today with companies cutting back right and and everybody's responsible for more you're not even done with a project and you're already ramping up for the next project so there's no recovery period it's like you're constantly running a marathon without that recuperation period to set up for your next one and, and we're just not made to handle that physically. Now, do you think, is that because of expectations we're placing on ourselves? Employers are taking on, employers are putting on us or that natural competition as markets tend to, to shift? Why is that? Why did that change? So I think some of that is person to person. Like, I mean, there's, there's people in our industry that look at it as just a job, right? And they do whatever the job has to do to get done. And the management's going to put the same pressure on everybody no matter what. Um, but my parents both worked over 20 years at the same job. 
So I grew up in a family where you worked at the same place and you bought into that company and you felt like you were a part of that company. So when I work on projects, I take them pretty personally. Um, I'm not afraid to say, you know, this project isn't beneficial, we should kill it because I take the company personally and I want to do what's best for the company. But when you get a project that you think is, is valid and right, you really buy into it and you add that additional pressure, for me personally, to getting that project done and getting it done right. And I think that adds to the stress level and the overall potential to get to a burnout. So I, I love what I do. Like when I first learned how to install a Dovell server, when I changing all the floppy disks, changing all the <laughs> floppy disks, and you know, going home, building the my first uh, home lab was uh, a, a BNC connected, mm-hmm. uh, ten base T network. Love what I do, and I think as you get older, you can kind of taper off. It's like anything else, you know. You you love it, but you just don't have enough time for it. Yeah, what you but, love becomes a career sometimes. Yeah. But I think one of the challenges with that, where uh, we couple, we talked about this earlier, is what happens when you start to care about the mission. Yep. Like well, the, you know, I worked at AdV for a long time, and yet scientists working, you're supporting researchers trying to cure cancer, and that's yeah. you know that's a life or death thing. You feel like you're trying to help cure cancer. You feel you, like you're, you're not tr- selling more widgets, right? Right. You're not making more cogs. You honestly are trying to change things for the better. Well, so, and where I'm at now, I work for a, a healthcare provider, like software company. I, we do remote hosting. Right. If that goes down, and the doctors can't prescribe medicine to somebody that's there, you feel like. Yeah, you, you, you feel the you feel like I'm impacting someone's life. Yeah. Yeah. And that that adds to the overall stress and the potential for burnout, yep. I think. So is it fair to say the more you're vested in the mission of the company, the more likely you're to be burned out? Or is that one of the correlating factors? I think that's Eric worked the blog post. That's not like any of us are experts on this, but I think, like I like I've said before, everybody's a little bit different. And number one, and number two, I think, like with a lot of things, your level to get to what's going to affect you is different than everybody else. And there's a certain number of building blocks of things that have to be added together, of which that's one component for you to get to that point where it's noticeably affecting you and your family and everybody else that you need to be aware of. And for me, it became being aware of those triggers, right? And how to work with my support staff to recognize those triggers if I'm not recognizing it myself. So I guess it's one thing, let's say that there's someone out there and they're saying, you know what guys, you're preaching to the choir. I'm already, I'm, I'm at the point, I'm burnt out. I, 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 there is no, I don't need help identifying it. I am burnt out. I, I can't continue along this way, but I gotta, make the, I gotta make a buck for my family. Like, what do we tell that person who's experiencing burnout? They know they have burnout and they need change. 
but they still feel the whether it's the stress of meeting a mission or if it's the simple stress of providing for your family. Like what what should be their first step to say, you know what, I, I this is the avenue of, of help. Well, and, and my message in my presentation is constantly that everybody is different. Like mm-hmm. I came from a family where my family doesn't talk about feelings at all. Right. Like my dad only told me he was proud of me twice ever in his whole entire life. Mm-hmm. So there's, you, you know, you're, you're feeling down. It's go do something and right. you'll go, be better go, later, go, right? Go dig a hole. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> go, yeah, my, go work I, I, on I that. I actually tweeted this, uh, I think it was yesterday, I tweeted this. I said, you know what, if you, if you want someone who's going to uh, tell you, uh, give you some tough love, go, go crying to my mom. She's really she's going to tell you what are you going to do? Lay down and die? Go and go go back at it, kind of thing. Yeah, and that's the thing. So like, I, I'm not a talker, but what I'll say to your original question there is, what I found is that my peers more than likely have gone to it, and it's easy to talk to your peers, easier to talk to your peers than potentially your significant other, um, which is very true in my case. And, and it was kind of hard for my wife at first for her to know that I was talking to my peers. That you weren't her person. But I wasn't her, even though right. she's been trying to get me to open up. Yeah. And I'm trying to do better and better um, with it. And we, we talk more openly now, especially now that I've been doing mm-hmm. these presentations and, and published my blog post. But for those people... Um, you have to find that support staff that you can talk to. And a funny thing about this is um, I posted my blog post, and then I did the KCV Meg presentation first. And then that, that week, that Friday, I went to lunch with uh, somebody else in the community in Kansas City. And we were talking, you know, no work talk, just how are we doing, how's our lives. And I knew he went through challenges uh, a few years ago that we'd talked about a little bit. And he actually opened up to me and told me, like, what was actually going on. And, like, what he told me before was, like, a minute part of the overall deal. And you, you just have no idea what people are going through. But he also related to me that one of his best friends had been, you know, clinically um, in depression and mm-hmm. was admitted and stuff for a while. And, and he had no idea until he actually asked, you know, his friend and started telling his friend what he was going through. So the biggest thing that, that the person needs to do first is find somebody that they trust to talk to um, that they know isn't going to be judgy or whatever else. And even if it's somebody that's going to tell you, you know, hey, I understand what you're going through there, but you need to get over it, yeah. right? We've all mm-hmm. had some of those. And, and you might, you know, I, I don't want to be coddled. Like, I, 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 you know, oh, hey, you know, just everything's just going to be okay. No, I mean, you got to find those few people that complete that conversation for you that can help you start on your journey to becoming better to come down that hill um and and that's the first thing is you got to find those people and i had to get rid of the people that were keep putting me that weren't helping me you know i hang out less with the people that weren't helping me they were negative people all the time everything they talked about was negative I had to get around to those people because it just kept adding those voices into my head and driving me further and further down that depression and, and say, state. So, so yeah. I think that goes back to something we I'm seeing as a reoccurring theme is you need people to talk to, mm. right? No it, matter what the circumstances, having a person or support structure of some kind is, is key to life. 
I think. Well, I don't think it's any different than what we currently do now to learn our technical knowledge, right? We all have our, you know, your five or six or seven or eight people yeah. in each vertical area that you know. If I have a problem, I know I can go talk to them for this deal or that person for that deal, and we all rely on each other in there. Why aren't we doing the same thing for for these types of problems? And we should have those same types of groups already laid out and figured out. I think the, the challenge is, is that there's a perception. You know, IT is a male-dominated industry. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, a lot of testosterone and uh, idea. You know, we, we've always had the ideal of the... Uh, Cowboy, superhero, full stack slash 10x performer who can uh, come in and save the day when the storage array goes down. So this concept that this super technical, super smart person has what's effectively this this mental burnout. I think there's a, a I think there's an element of pride there that you're like yeah, you know what I'm feeling I'm feeling a certain type of way, but I I, I don't want people to, to 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 I think that judgment is people I think people whether it's consciously or subconsciously fear the judgment of saying I, I can't handle this by myself. Yeah, and, and I see it in the technical side too. You know, one of my problems and one of the things that I don't like to do I like to figure out things on my own. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll have a problem at work or a solution I'm trying to, to, to put together, and I'll work on it for three or four or five days and just, like, get fully invested in it and not give up. And then my boss will be like, dude, you look, like, what's wrong with you? You look, like, all pissed off and, like, all this stuff. And I'm like, well, I'm trying to figure this out. And he goes, well, don't you know it's just this? And I'm like, I can, if I just would have stopped and asked, you know, so my boss knows to, like, he can kind of pick up on how I'm acting and how I'm feeling to, to kind of stop me from getting to that point. And that's one of the things, you know, my triggers that I have to pay attention to. And I think it's that way. That, that's what we do. We like to solve our own problems. We don't want to ask for help for anything. Um, and years ago, we finally started going to the community. And, you know, Google was really good at that. I can go to Google and ask, and nobody will know, except for they collect everything you search. So somebody knows. <laughs> so I, I know it's different for, for everyone. So I guess I'll ask you. When, when did you know it was time for you not only to talk to somebody, but for you to, I guess it's, it was a little bit reversed. What, what made you realize you needed a change? Like, it's one thing to say I need help. It's another one to say that, you know what, I just, like, I, I had a, a coworker that went through this, and he was, uh, I, had to, I had to take over a stressful, high-visibility uh, high project that wasn't going well because... Uh, and as a result, uh, he had uh, a breakdown, and he he, for, he he went he completely left like project management and went into uh, configuration management. I hope that's better for him, but you know, configuration management is exactly a walk in the park. But he he he, he for him was that he was doing much better now. Completely different change of role. What do you? When do you know personally that it's just time for a different role? And that, because I, I can, I'm rambling a little bit, but I can envision a time where sometimes you need a break, and sometimes, you know, it's just been enough. You know, you need something for me, different. For me, I'm like, it, operations, I'm done with operations. Yeah. I, I'm not doing operations again in my career if I can help it. Yeah, I think you just, to me, I just kind of, 
you don't know right at first, but at some point you get that. Like if you take a break, and if you come back and you're right mentally, right back into the same state you were within two days, mm-hmm. it's it's time to it, it's time to change something. Right. If I take a break and I come back, like if I take a week vacation or, you know, three or four a weekend or whatever, and I come back and I'm like, okay, this is fine. And okay, yeah, that was that was annoying, but whatever. Then you know that, okay, I just needed a break. Mm -hmm. But if I come back and in the second day back, I'm right back into that. This is terrible. I don't want to be here. I can't focus on what I'm supposed to do because I I don't feel like I'm making a difference. You know, I don't know why we're doing any of this. This is, you know, then you know it's a change. And, and I think that's the trigger um, on that side. You know, for me, I thought it was just the company. If I just change the company, I'll be fine, right? And I went through that twice, and then it was everything else that built on around it that I had to become aware of to know that I, I needed not just a, a job change, but a lifestyle change. So if I look at an IT organization and... You have managers, you have employers, and a bunch of spectrums in between. What can a manager do to help his team who may be experiencing or likely will at some point in their career experience in it? Yeah, so when I left this company I worked for for almost 12 years, I actually left as a manager. And I was, you know, how long ago was that? I, I was in my, like, late 20s, you know, about 30 years old, managing people across the United States. And growing up with my background where you just get your job done and go on, I didn't care how they felt. I didn't care what their excuse was. Just get the job done and let's go on. And and now I realize that was not the right way to do it. Um, What I found out going through what I've done is uh, I researched my insurance in the last two places I work. I had um, therapy available to me through my insurance. My managers didn't know that, but the manager should be aware of that stuff, right? Um, what are the resources available to them? The company I work to now, they provide a lot of mental health opportunities, whether it's We have exercise facilities on premises. We have personal trainers. We have nutritionists. We have, you know, for the physical side of the house. We have um, opportunities to go talk to therapists and counselors and all kinds of things built into our training program that we have in-house. The managers need to know about what those are just in case a situation comes up that they can help deal with that. I think in the past, everybody just got shoved off to HR. Right. Just just go to Mm. HR. Yeah. Right. Well, but most employees don't know to go to HR. No. And it, how comfortable are you to go tell HR that I'm so down and I hate it and da 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 da? Right. You're you, if you're having a hard time opening up to your boss, you're not going to talk to HR about it. Right. Um, and, and having a good relationship with your boss is first. And if you don't have that, you need to have. Like if you have a mentorship program, you should be able to talk to your mentor about that. If you're not comfortable with your boss, you need to find somebody else who's at least a manager level that you can talk to and confide in so that hopefully they know what those things are if you don't. So I think for the management level, it it should be, they should be educated via the company on what is out there for these types of situations so that when somebody has a problem, they know where to go. 
Yeah, I agree, and I think that's uh, definitely managers don't often know as much as employees wish they knew yeah. about some of those internal programs or the benefits in general, yeah. because historically that that's a function of okay. HR. And, and the other thing is, is and I know, so my last two bosses have been through some management training programs. We have one internally where I'm at now, and they talk about this, and some of the things they talk about is, you know, learning how to praise your employees, but not like all the same. Right. So my boss asked me, you know, how do you like to be praised? Do you like to be publicly praised or does that bother you? And you just like me to come by and say, thank you for this. Do you want, you know, do you prefer a letter or like what, what makes you feel the best about it? Like, do you get annoyed when everybody else is publicly praised, but you're not or like whatever. Um, All of those little things can add up quickly to helping with, the mental health of your employees. And I know as a, as a boss, that's something I've struggled with is saying thank you. Yeah. Right? Cause and it has to, to me, be genuine. Yeah. To me, I'm just, to me, the way I work, I, I don't really care if somebody thanks me. I'm there to do a job. I'm going to get it done. Yep. And I want to get it done. So that's how I tend to communicate by default. So it takes that, that effort to do that. I think the same, same in a marriage, right? Yep. My wife communicates her, her emotion, her love to me differently than how I would naturally communicate to her, right? She she cleans up, she vacuums, she does laundry. I'm, I'm verbal, right? So we had to learn to communicate in the other person's languages, so to speak. Yep. Yeah, for mine, I, I grill a steak, give her the steak. Yeah. She looks at me curiously like, <laughs> you, know what that, you know what that steak means, right? <laughs> yeah, it means I love you. There was a book that we had to read um, in social the studies. The love signs. That's a, the seven emotional yep. love languages. I think yep. it was by, this is in high school, so a long time ago since I'm turning 40 tomorrow. Um, or a couple weeks ago, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, by I think it was Leo Basculio or something like that. It was a pretty good book that taught that. And it's funny how that, le- that lesson applies to interacting with people mm-hmm. all the time, not just communicating with your spouse. Hmm. So, uh, I guess I have a question. Both of you guys have managed people, and as you as you're learning about uh, IT burnout, and how do you? We're, we're technologists, so you know we, we believe in in algorithms and even even wearing type of deal. As you distribute load on your team, do you consider burnout a factor, and not just on technical ability to to perform a a task but whether or not giving them the same task over and over again will burn them out i think we should but i think often we don't Mm -hmm. i I think people tend to rely on certain people in their lives and in their job and when when that's over you rely on those people you give them those things because you know they're going to get it done and it, and it's easy, right? It's the easy mode, you know. Give it to give it to Phil, he's going to get it done, and I don't have to worry about it. Versus finding out who the right person to do it, who has the load, who has you know, the mental the mental room left, the mental capacity and the stress capacity left to handle with that. Or the other thing is, I should broaden out the number of people that know this topic, so right. I don't have to re- freak out when Phil leaves right, right. and he's the only one who knows it. Yeah. Right, it, and balancing that stuff out is, is very, very hard. And like right now, my boss does a very good job at that. We we try to cross pollinate as much as we can. Um, we all have our primary verticals, but anything that's not heavily defined in that primary vertical gets distributed across 
the five of us just so we have a pretty even load right. and we don't have that because we each have challenging projects throughout the year. And I just had three of them that all kind of came to a head about the same time. And so my boss is, is very good. He's like, oh, yeah, go do those V-mugs. You know, you, you don't even have to take PTO for that. Just, just go because you need that break and you've earned it. So. I think one of the things that can help is um, small stand-up meetings, right, especially in operations. We're not used to that, I, I don't think, as much as we should be. Hey, does anybody need help today? Or it's just that simple question. It's like, you know what? I have a lot on my plate. Could somebody do this? can go a long way to helping somebody out when from from your perspective you're not taking much on you're just doing a little thing well and the challenge to that that has to be understood and allowed is the fact that if somebody's going to help you work on a project you know we all have what your bonus structure is based off of and the projects that are on it and the tasks that are supposed to get done in there and sometimes we don't want anybody to help on us because we want to make sure we get the full credit yeah for that bonus plan, right, for, for those items. And if we're going to have somebody help us on it, the management has to understand that, okay, yeah, they helped me on it, but, you know, the circumstances of this and that, and I'm not going to get docked because I didn't do it all myself. My responsibility was to make sure the project got done, and through that I got help from somebody else to help me complete the project, so it did get done, <laughs> right? Yep. So... So, Keith, I don't think you've ever managed people, have you? I have. How have you dealt with identifying and recognizing burnout? So, I don't think, uh, I haven't managed people in about five or six years. So, I think managing um, people when it comes to burnout today is different than when we, I think five or six years ago was, I think, very much Eric's and your feedback, which is, you know, we, we, we have a theme to do and we have to get it done. And I, and I guess that's not as true. I was at PWC and PWC is matrix. So I would manage people as part of uh, projects. And that culture is just a, a culture of burnout. I was to say, that, it, that, you know, big five consulting right. seems like it would be a culture of burnout. Yeah, it, it, any time where you have billable hours mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sounds like a, a recipe for burnout. Yeah, there's. I think there's a lip service to all those types of 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 big consulting company cultures. There's lip service to that, but in reality, is is you know, bill uh, work sixty hours, bill forty. And rinse and repeat until you find something better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I worked at a VAR for a while, and and it was tough because our 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 SEs had to be billable all the time. But how do you get them educated on new products if they're being billed? You know, they had to learn on their own hours, which is quote work hours, right? right? Mm-hmm. And some of the products nowadays are so large; it's not like you can go spend two nights and kind of get the get enough of it down that you could go do your first implementation and and kind of fuddle your way through it enough to get it right and then now you know you, you've got to spend a fair amount of time on some of these things and you just can't expect those guys to to work those hours and not get burnt out anymore i mean it, you, you just can't do it especially if they have a family and everything else so i think key takeaways if you are burned out reach out to reach out to your people mm-hmm. if you don't have people 
find people. I think we all have people in our lives, actually. It's just a matter of being open and honest and willing to, to talk to them about what you're going through. And if you don't have, and some people may actually be lonely and may not have people. If, if you're in that situation, you probably have a benefit at work where you can see a counselor. Yep. You can have, you can make your one fall call away from somebody who's, who does actually really care. And they're in a profession that that they're that they're that they chose, so that they can help you with with this, with this, these types of challenges. And I'd say you're one DM away. The community, I found, is always some of the most supportive people out there. Right? I think we've all been more than willing to talk to people about anything. You know, whether it's technology or just you know where you're at in your life and how things are going. Yeah, and there's it's amazing that now since I've posted this. The number of people in the community that I never thought were having problems have yeah. reached out and said, I've been dealing with the same thing for the last few years. Thank you for talking about it. It made me feel like I'm not the only one, and it gave me some things to to look at to, to start working. So even if you don't really know somebody that well and you've seen somebody that have mentioned it in the community, they're a great place to start yep. to talk because they'll just listen. Because yep. they've been there and they know. Yeah, and I think and there's no great, judging. A great place to wrap it up, Keith. Any final thoughts? Nope. It's been extremely educational. Yeah, Eric, I really appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate pouring you being the here. time into sharing a very vulnerable time in your life that I think has helped a lot of people. Yeah, I agree. So, if people are looking for you online, where can they find you? Uh, my Twitter handle is Eric B Lee number six, um, and uh, you can check me out at vEric me is my blog and I've got my blog post on this topic that's out there that that's been hit up thousands and thousands of times so uh, go read about it if you've missed any of my presentations and we're, we're looking to do a V brown bag recording of it so everybody can see it live excellent Keith and if people don't know who you are where can they find you you can find me on the web the ctlvisor.com and uh, Twitter is at CTO Advisor. And I'm Mark May. You can find me as at Cincy Storage on Twitter or virtualstorage.com. And you can find the podcast in your favorite podcaster at virtualizedgeek.com. Um, you know what? I think these conversations are valuable to everybody. So, you know, share this. Talk to your friends, you know, whether they're IT or not. And, you know, make sure all your friends are in a good spot. Thanks, guys.